Welcome to Mount Olive First Pentecostal Holiness Church. Thank you for connecting with us. In just a moment, Pastor Jeff will be sharing an uplifting and encouraging message that we pray will inspire you in your walk with God. Our desire at MOFPHC is for you and your family to find hope in Jesus Christ so that He will transform your life. Thanks again for connecting with us. Please contact us if we can help you discover God's purpose for your life. Enjoy the message. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited this morning, uh, kicking off what I believe is uh, just a, a series of messages over the next few weeks titled, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Now, uh, how many of you uh, here this morning are on social media? Raise your hand. Come on. Um, you may not like being on social media. I don't really care for it much, no more. I mean, there's a great opportunity on there to share the gospel, but there's a lot of drama on social media. But here's my point right now. Uh, you will know that sometimes you get friend requests from people that you know you're already friends with, right? And you're like, who is this? I mean, I thought I was already friends with so-and-so. And, and you receive these friend requests from people that you thought you were friends with. And what has happened, somebody has uh, really just kind of like stolen their identity and trying to act on their behalf, claiming that they're a certain person. How many of you know we live in a world today where people are stealing identities all day long? Uh, we've had that situation happen with us. Um, with our own bank account, uh, that was several years ago. They want a lot in there, uh, but uh, somebody took our identity and bought computers for some school in another country, and they wiped out what we had in our check-in, and then they weren't enough to cover the computers, so they took what we had out of savings and wiped us all out. And the bank never called us. And I'm thinking, we've never written a check over $50. That should have been a red flag right there. So it's no fun to have your identity stolen. Thank the Lord we were able to be uh, reimbursed for everything that happened to us. But we, we live in a world today where our identities uh, are being stolen. And I just want to tell you, I believe that Jesus' identity has been stolen by the culture that we live in right now. I really believe that. And I think uh, if we're not careful, uh, we need to make sure that in the church house we know who Jesus is. There's so much crazy teaching going on in the world right now uh, of who Jesus is that we need to know. We don't need to doubt it. We need to know who he is. And so that's why this is so heavy on my heart uh, to preach to you some messages uh, from this series I'm calling, Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? I ask you again, this is the question I start with this morning. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If you had to answer that question this morning, and I'll tell you, I watched a video this past week uh, when I was preparing for this message, and, and I'm talking about church people now. They could not even answer. Nobody even mentioned that he was the Son of God. I mean, it's really sad to see that even God's people, they don't even know who Jesus is. And it's a question that we all need to answer. Uh, throughout history, the historians, uh, philosophers, they have all uh, dealt with this question, who is Jesus? Is Jesus a real person? Is, is Jesus the Son of God? Is, is Jesus just some man? Was Jesus just some crazy teacher? Was Jesus just a, a Jewish man? Listen, the day that we live in, in, in God's people and in the culture that we live in, people are just confused about who Jesus is. And we know who the author of confusion is, and that is the devil. 
And that's what he wants us to do is be confused about who Jesus is. So we need to know who he is. If there's ever been a time that we need to know who Jesus is, it's the day that we live in. So I ask you the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Well, if you turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 16, in verses 13 through 16, we see the question that eventually everyone has to answer. In Matthew 16, in verses 13 through 16, you're going to see this question, who is Jesus? I want you to see something when I read this to you because it's a universal question that everybody has to answer. You're never going to escape Jesus. Sooner or later, you have, the world will have to answer, who is Jesus? It's a universal question, but it's also a personal question. Everyone that's gathered here today, you're going to have to answer the question in a personal way, who is Jesus? And we see that here in Matthew 16. Jesus, if you remember there, he asked his followers, those disciples that were so close to him, he asked this question to them. Here we go, the universal question, who do men say that I am? Jesus said, who do the, who do the people, who do the crowds, who do they say I am? And the disciples answered Jesus, and they said, Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're uh, Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. Now, if I was going to be connected to a group of people, that's a, that's a great group of spiritual giants to be connected to, right? I mean, think about it. John the Baptist? But John the Baptist, his message was, Prepare the way for the Lord. So he was not the Christ. You think about Elijah. Elijah was a man of miracles, and, and the Jewish people had read about the, the Messiah, the Christ that would come, and they knew that he was going to perform miracles like Elijah, but Elijah was not the Christ. You think about the prophets and the message that they had in the Old Testament, friend. I know sometimes we don't like reading in the Old Testament, but if you look at the prophets, every one of those prophets, they were pointing to a common Christ who was Jesus, but the, the prophets, they were not Christ. And then Jesus turned the question around from a universal question on who do, who do the men say that I am, and he goes in a personal way, and he says, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter responded, and he responded and said, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Peter knew who Jesus was. And I ask you the question this morning again. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know who Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? I ask you, who is Jesus to you when you're at church? Who is Jesus to you when you're away from church? Who is Jesus to you when you're at work? Who is Jesus to you when you're at school? Who is Jesus to you when your life is going good? Who is Jesus to you when your life is not going so good? Who is Jesus to you when you're struggling? Who is Jesus to you when you get blindsided in life? Here's what happens if we're not careful. And I want you to hear me good here. Please stay with me. If you're not careful, we can allow our circumstances and we can allow our feelings to change our belief of who Jesus is. But you know we don't live by our feelings. We live by faith. Amen. And we see this happening. Well, that, you could say, well, that, that'll never happen to me. I know who Jesus is. But we see circumstances and we see personal feelings can change our belief of who Jesus is. 
We see that in Luke chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be just sharing a few passages. So Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 22. You remember here, Jesus had returned to Galilee, the Bible says, in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Think about that. Everyone was praising him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, Jesus went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And listen to what he declared. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And then they said, isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Think about this. Father, bless this word. God, anoint this time. God, please touch my voice. I pray right now, Lord, open our ears and our eyes, our hearts to everything you want to do right now. Jesus, have your way. In your name we pray, Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we love you. We need you. I want you to see right here what I just read to you, that news about Jesus was spreading all across the countryside. And the Bible says that people were praising him. Why were they praising him? Why were they praising Jesus? It was because he was performing miracles. He was performing miracles. He was teaching uh, God's word. He was teaching it with power and with authority. He was calling people to come and follow him. The people that were around Jesus during that time, they seemed, it seemed like they knew who he was. And then we read right here in Luke 4, these passages, that as Jesus went into Nazareth on that Sabbath day, he went into their synagogue, which was like their church, and he stood up and read from the scroll of the uh, prophet Isaiah. Now, I want you to hear this. If you, if you look at the... Uh, Bible scholars, and you just study the scriptures, historians will tell you that it was tradition that someone would stand up in the synagogue and they would read from the Old Testament and then they would sit down. And after they would sit down, they would begin to open up the scriptures, they would begin to teach, and they would begin to explain what they had just read. And Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah. Mark this scripture down, Isaiah 61, Isaiah 61. You go back later and read it. It was a prophecy about the coming Christ. And everyone that was in that synagogue that day, when Jesus stood up to read that uh, scroll from the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah, they knew that that was a prophecy about the coming Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus read it, and when he finished reading he rolled up the scroll and he sat down and then he got ready to give an explanation. And the Bible says that all eyes were on Jesus. They were, what does this mean? Tell us what this means. And all eyes were on him. And Jesus said these words right here. Today, this scripture 
is fulfilled in your ears. Jesus was saying to those people that were in that synagogue, he says, I am the Messiah. He says, I am the one that you've been reading about in the Old Testament. He says, I am the one that you've been looking for. I am the one that has come to save you, to deliver you, and to heal you. He declared that who he is right to that crowd. And they heard Jesus. And when they heard him declare that he was their Messiah, their belief of him changed. Isn't he Joseph's son, they said. And listen, if you were to take that passage I just shared with you and you keep reading it, Jesus went on to keep explaining and teaching. And the Bible says that the people became so furious at Jesus that later on they wanted to push him off a cliff. Here he is, the Messiah. I am the Messiah. I am the one you read about. I'm the one you've been looking for. I'm here to save you, deliver you, heal you. And their whole belief changed. And they went from saying and praising him to isn't he the son of Joseph. And then they were furious and they wanted to push him off a cliff. They didn't know who Jesus was. Their circumstances and their, their personal feelings changed their belief. Of who Jesus was. You know what they were having? They were having an identity crisis. They were having an identity crisis on who Jesus was. And they were just not sure if this was really the Messiah. And I just want to tell you this morning. In our belief of who Jesus is. If it's based on our troubles. If it's based on our trials. Guess what? Your view might change. If, you're, if you got everything based on how you feel. Or, or what you're going through in your life. Because guess what? Life is like a roller coaster ride. Can I get an amen? There is some ups and there's some downs. Some of you have come in this morning on the roller coaster and you're going up. And some of you have come in this morning and you're going down. And if you base your beliefs on who Jesus is to uh, what you're going through in your life, then your view might change. But if your belief is based on God's word and you stand on the truth of God's word, then your belief is never going to change on who Jesus is. And so we need to make sure we stand on the Word of God. Great commentary uh, by Warren Wiersbe. He said, God's children, they live on God's promises and not explanations. We don't live on our explanations. We don't live on our experiences. Guess what? We live on the promises of God. And so if we're going to know who Jesus is, we need to look to God's Word. And that's what Jesus did. He opened up the Scriptures and shared truth about himself that supported who he was. He opened up the scroll. He read and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. You know what he was declaring? He was declaring, I am the Savior. I am the Savior. I'm anointed to preach the good news to the poor. Now, poor here doesn't mean uh, poor like uh, financially. You just don't have anything in your life. You don't. It, that's not what it means. It means spiritually poor. Poor means that you're spiritually poor. Those that are lost spiritually are poor in spirit. Those that are empty spiritually are poor in spirit. Those that are struggling spiritually are poor in spirit. And for everyone that was uh, poor spiritually, Jesus was saying, I am the one who has come to save you from the empty life. I'm the one that has come to give you an abundant life. I am the one that has come to give you eternal life. Anybody that's poor in spirit, 
He says, I am the Messiah. I am the one that's come to rescue you and to save you and to give you eternal life. And over in John 14, we see some people who were poor in spirit. Have you ever felt poor in spirit before? Come on. Well, there's some people here in John 14. They were struggling. They were poor in spirit, and that was the disciples of Jesus Christ. And if anybody had a reason to feel poor in spirit, it was those disciples of Jesus Christ. They had shared their life with Jesus for three years. They had witnessed Jesus do all kinds of miracles. They, they had their life changed by his teachings. They had left everything to follow Jesus. And then listen to this. I mean, there they are. They've left everything to follow Jesus. They've given up everything. They've allowed his teaching to change their hearts and their life. And, and here they are. And then Jesus says, guess what? Not only have you left everything to follow me, but guess what? There's going to be one of you that's going to betray me. And Peter, guess what? You're going to deny me how many times? You're going to deny me three times. And don't, don't all of you look at Peter because in just a little while, every one of you are going to flee from me and run from me in fear. And then to make matters way worse, he says, guess what? I'm about to leave. I'm about to leave, and where I'm going, you can't go at this time. Now, I don't know about you. If I'd have heard all that in one setting, I believe I'd feel poor in spirit. I mean, there's somebody here in this group that's going to betray me. There's, I'm going to deny you three times, and you're about to, we're all going to run and flee, and then you're about to leave us, and we can't go where you are. I would feel poor in spirit. And that could have been why, because just thinking about being away from the Lord could have impacted the way they were feeling to cause their hearts to be troubled. It could be their circumstances made them feel that way, that they were poor in spirit. But here's what I want you to get. They were feeling poor in spirit, and Jesus had just shared all this with them. But guess what? He comes there at the very end, and he encourages them. He reminds them. He says, guess what? Know who I am. I am Savior. I know your circumstances are not good. I know I've just told you some things. Maybe you cannot uh, just receive right now but listen this is the one thing you need to know I am the Christ I am the Messiah I am the Savior so don't let your hearts be troubled so who is Jesus Jesus is our Savior who offers the promise of eternal life he said these words right here words that I hold on to often I hope you do don't let your hearts be troubled trust in God trust also in me in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. I want you to hear me. Jesus, our Savior, preached the good news of a place called heaven. He said, in my father's house are many rooms. Hallelujah. He was declaring to those people, those ones that were poor in spirit, that heaven is a real place. It's not some kind of state of mind. Heaven is not some kind of fairy tale place. Jesus was declaring that heaven is a real place. It's where God the Father dwells, and there are many rooms. Hallelujah. There's so many rooms, there's enough room for everyone who's ever placed their faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. Hallelujah. Heaven is a real place. You remember in Acts chapter 7 when Stephen was being uh, persecuted and they were actually stoning him to death. 
for his faith in Christ. And the Bible says while they were stoning him, he gazed steadily into heaven. And what did he see? He saw the glory of God and he saw Jesus, our Savior, standing at the right hand of God. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Stephen, he saw it. You remember when Paul, the Bible says that Paul was caught up to the the third heaven and the things he saw, the words that he heard, it said that they couldn't even be expressed. Why? Because heaven is a real place. Jesus, our Savior, he preached the good news that heaven is a real place. Jesus said, I go there to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. Are you prepared this morning? I said, are you prepared this morning? Jesus said, heaven is where I am. And if, and if heaven is a place where Jesus is, guess what? It's a perfect place. It's a prepared place, and it's a perfect place. And if heaven is a prepared place and a perfect place, I have to believe in my heart today that there's going to be a Chick-fil-A and a Krispy Kreme there. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I'm saying it right now. I'm confessing it. Heaven is a perfect place. Heaven's a perfect place, a place where there's no more death. There's no more sorrow. There's no more tears. There's no more pain. Hallelujah. There's no more problems. There's no sin in heaven. It's a perfect place. Hallelujah. It's a prepared place. It's a perfect place. And it's a permanent place. Jesus said, I will come again and take you to be where I am. And church, listen to me. Please hear me. One day, and I believe one day soon, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for those who have received him as Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when he comes, and when he comes for those who have put their faith in him as Savior, the Bible says that we're going to be with him forever and forever. Our sister sang that song, forever. We're going to be with Jesus forever. Hallelujah. Let that encourage you today. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus said, I've come to preach good news to the poor in spirit. Is there anything in your life today causing you to be poor in spirit? I ask you that. It could be a storm you're in. Could be a battle that you're in this morning that's causing you to be poor in spirit. It could be family issues. It could be work issues. It could be a sickness. It could be a struggle. It could be uh, just sin that's in your life causing you to feel poor in spirit. Hey, it could be all the mess that's going on in the world around us that's causing us to feel poor in spirit. If you walked in this morning and you're worshiping with us online today and you're feeling poor in spirit, I've got some good news for you today. Listen, it's news that you can believe in. It's not fake news. This is news you can trust in. Jesus is our Savior who offers the promise of eternal life. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise. Who is Jesus? He's our Savior. We've been singing about it this morning. He's our Savior who offers the promise of eternal life. And Jesus is our Savior who offers the plan for eternal life. John 14, 6, if you were to keep reading, Jesus says, Listen, I am the way and I am the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You remember after Jesus shared this 
promise of who he is, Thomas asked him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus shared one of the most powerful I am statements that he ever shared. And he says, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. How many of you know this morning that the promise of heaven is real? The promise of heaven. Listen, all of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, we are going to heaven. Hallelujah. We are going to heaven. But in order for you to take hold of that promise, we have to go through Jesus, our Savior. Jesus is the plan for heaven. He's the plan for eternal life. Who is Jesus? He is the way. He's not a way. He's the way. The world that we live in today, they will tell you that there are many ways for you to go to heaven. But Jesus said, no, no, no. There's only one way, and I am the way. I am the way. Good works is not the way. Jesus says, I am the way. Church attendance is not the way, which it's good, but it's not the way. Jesus is the way. Religious rituals is not the way. Jesus is the way. He is the way. This past week, I was a part of one of the most powerful funeral services I have ever been in, and that was for our brother in Christ, Mr. R.L. Sutton. And different ones shared different things about Mr. R.L. in that service, but his son Lane got up at the end, and he preached a powerful message. And he shared something to that church there in Goldsboro that, the Lord had laid on his heart, and he stood before that church, and he declared to that church that his daddy had been a good man. He did good works. He did good things for the church. He was good with his attendance. He was a good giver to the church. But he said, you know what? He won't saved. Been involved in church all of his life, but he wasn't saved. And it was just a few months ago that his wife, Renee, God opened up a door for her to talk to him about his soul, and she led him to Jesus. She led him to Jesus. Because Jesus is the way. Lane reminded every one of us in that church that day that, you know what? There's a lot of good people that are in hell because they think being good enough or doing good works is going to save you, but that's not the way you're saved. Jesus is the only way. And I will never forget what he said. He just he held up and said, my daddy was that close from missing heaven and going to hell. But thank God for grace and for mercy and that Jesus is so wonderful and loving and he is the way. So we give God praise. We thank the Lord for the promise of heaven because we'll get to be with Mr. R.L. again one day. And as was said in that service, I'm sure he's telling Jesus a whole lot today. Amen. (laughs) 
But that was a powerful testimony that Jesus is the way. He's the way and he's the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. The truth sets you free. Jesus is the life, he says. Listen, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this morning. We live, we move, we breathe, we exist because Jesus is the life. He gives us every breath we take. Amen. He is the life. And he says, if you want to know who I am, then here's who I am. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. I am. Those people were poor in spirit. And every one of us that are gathered here today are poor in spirit. You know why? Because we've all born in sin. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that we're all facing the penalty of sin, which is death. The Bible says this death is a spiritual death that will separate us from God forever in a real place called hell. Heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. And because of that sin, it separates us from, from God and forever we would be separated in a place called hell. But God loves us and he made a way for us to take care of the sin problem in our life. You know, man, we're real good about trying to fix problems in our own life, right? Let me fix it. I can do enough good. I can do enough good. I can do enough good. I can, I can do this, and it'll fix that sin problem. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Jesus loved us. I mean, God loved us enough that he made a way. He made a way. He loved us enough that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for us so we wouldn't have to perish, but we could have everlasting life. It's not Jesus and something. It's Jesus. It's not Jesus and our teaching. It's not Jesus and, and all these other things that we've added to man to, to God's word. And I'm not trying to nitpick other religions, but I'm just telling you right now. I know what Jesus said. He says, I am the way, the truth. And the life. Thank you, Lord. He made a way to pay the penalty for sin and to save us because he's our Savior. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's our Savior. The plan that God had, it required a perfect and sinless sacrifice. The plan that God had required someone having to suffer and die for us and on behalf of us. And Jesus, our Savior, came to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us. He came to this earth. He lived a sinless, sinless life, a perfect life, doing the will of the Father. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for you and me so we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, he suffered and died on the cross for you and for me. He was buried. We just celebrated the death and the resurrection. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he was raised back to life. He is alive. He's our living Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible says that Jesus ascended back into heaven. 
And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. He's praying for you this morning. Man. You know how encouraging that was to me this morning. I kept crying out, Jesus, please help me. I love his presence. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He's our Savior. He's our Savior. And to work for the promise and for the plan of eternal life in a place called heaven, guess what? It is finished. That work is finished. And the question this morning is, have you accepted our Savior's promise and plan for eternal life? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Can you say this morning that Jesus is your Savior? I hope you can. I hope you can say that Jesus is your Savior. If you're having problems this morning, having clarity because of the circumstances you're in, because of some feelings that you're dealing with in your own life, maybe some things that you've been dealt with that you didn't choose to have that done to you, but you just, your, your whole mindset has just been blurred of who really who Jesus is because of what you're going through. I want to just encourage you again that He is our Savior. And if you're having trouble this morning accepting that promise and that plan for eternal life, I want to I remind you of some very powerful words. And I had a friend of mine that uh, shared this song with me, and I've been listening to it all weekend. I don't, many of you probably have heard it before, but I want to share the lyrics to this song. If you're, having, if you're having trouble this morning accepting God's promise and God's plan for eternal life, I want you to hear the lyrics to this song called, My Jesus, My Jesus. My Jesus is personal. The song's by Ann Wilson. If you've never heard it, you should write that name down, the name of that song, My Jesus. You can listen to it later. But here's some of the lyrics to it. He makes a way where there ain't no way. She must be from North Carolina. He makes a way when there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and His grace is free. And the good news is I know that He can do for you what He's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus and let my Jesus change your life. How many of you know Jesus can change your life? I want you to bow your heads right now. Nobody looking around. Be very reverent. Christians, please pray. Please pray. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Friend, whoever you are, maybe you walked in this morning and you're poor in spirit. You're lost spiritually. You're in sin and the sin has separated you from God. You're lost. You're you're struggling spiritually. And you need Jesus to save you. We've answered the question, who is Jesus? He's our Savior. And yes, He can save you. No matter how far you've gone. I don't even care how long you've been in church. He can save you. He loves you. 
He died for you. He suffered for you. And he wants to extend that grace to you right now. And he wants you to receive him as Savior in your life. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. Every Christian praying right now. If you've walked in this morning or whether you may be online watching and you're not sure that Jesus is your Savior and today you want to you receive him, you want to receive him so you can, you can answer that question, who do they say I am? You can say, he's my Savior. He's my Savior. And you want to know that you have the promise and the plan of heaven in your future. Nobody looking around, you want me to pray for you. Would you just lift your hand real high with boldness right now and say, that's me, Pastor. Will you please pray for me today? Will you please pray? Come on, will you lift your hand? If you you want to pray to Jesus, God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. You put your hand down. Any others, real quick, I just want you to lift your hand with boldness and say, that's me. God bless you, son. Just a few more seconds, please. Come on. I want you to pray for me that Jesus would be my Savior. He would be my Jesus. He would be my Jesus. Those that lifted your hand, just pray with me right now. Father, God, I call on you right now, and I just admit to you that I am a sinner. I'm poor in spirit right now. Sin has separated me from your presence. And I know right now, without putting my faith in you, that I'm forever separated in a place called hell. I will be if I were to die and I want to receive you to be my Savior right now. And so I confess with my mouth, Jesus, that you are Lord and I believe in my heart that you've been raised from the dead and I call on you to be my Savior. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness for your name's sake. I repent of my sins right now. I repent and I receive you into my life to be my Savior and to be my Lord. Cleanse me, Lord, from all unrighteousness. I receive by faith right now that promise. I receive by faith right now that plan. I receive it. I accept it. I take hold of it that you are the way, you are the truth, and you are the life. And I thank you that heaven is in my future right now. By faith, I I declare it over my life. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray in Jesus' name.